This is Amber Stevens, and you're listening to Airs and Arrows, the podcast. Everybody, can you believe that it is almost a new year? Oh my goodness, like where did this year go? I can't believe it. When this episode comes out, we will be really close to Thanksgiving. And I did not plan for this episode to come out around this time, but it is, I believe, the perfect time for this because we're right at the cusp (laughs) of Thanksgiving. And we know that right after Thanksgiving is Black Friday. And on Black Friday, and in the weeks that follow, people are in this like hurry, people are in this hustle and bustle, and it's just so much going on. And we're going to be talking about rest on this episode. And so I, I thought it would be the perfect time to release this I had an amazing conversation with author Adam Mabry. He wrote a book about rest and like, seriously, it's amazing. It's so many good points in that book. And we talked about a few on this conversation that we had together. And so without further ado, I will let you in and hopefully prayerfully this conversation will really help you. Um, as we enter into this holiday season. All right, let's take a listen in. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on another episode of Airs and Arrows. I am super excited today because I have a dear brother here, and we're going to talk about something that we don't often talk about, especially here in the United States, (laughs) and that is rest. We're talking about rest today. And I have an author here. He wrote a book. It's called The Art of Rest, Faith to Hit Pause in a World That Never Stops. And so first off, the title itself got my attention. And then I read a little bit into the introduction and I was like, I have to have him on. And so he is here with me and I'm so excited. I'm going to let him introduce himself and we're going to jump right into it. Sure. Well, thanks, Amber. I'm glad to be here. My name is Adam Mabry. And uh, yes, I am the author of The Art of Rest. And um, and I also am the senior pastor of a church here in the greater Boston area called Aletheia. And um, dad to four kids and husband to one awesome wife. So how did you come to write this book? What were the circumstances that made you write a book on rest? Yeah, well, they're funny because... Um, I thought it was crazy. I was actually asked to write this book, which is I've come to understand pretty unusual. Most authors, uh, you know, write a manuscript and then send it to various publishers. But I was approached to write a book on rest precisely because I am not good at it. I'd um, preached a teaching series many years ago in our church uh, of the same title. Uh, no, actually, it was called The Art of Sabbath. And um, and it was basically like, hey, I'm awful at this. And I live in a city filled with people that are bad at this and we're all burnt out and we're all tired all the time and we're all really busy and the bible teaches us to do this better so it was it was a series where i was basically like i i your pastor am also bad at this but i'm gonna be one week ahead of you let's go um 
and uh, and, it, and it really grew out from there uh, because I'm I'm certainly not uh, qualified by my previous practices to to write this book. It was much more like a um, uh, you know a biographical sketch of a journey that I've uh, I've been on for a few years. Yeah, I hear you. I um, my husband and I, and we have two kids. We live in we live in the suburbs, but we live next to or close to a, a major city, and so um, we like to go to a place called Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and we go there purposely because it is very slow. It's not fast, and we 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 intentionally make ourselves slow down, and so I like that. Um, so this book is called The Art of Rest. Why is rest an art, and why do we need faith to exercise it? Yeah, so I, I chose the word art because um, it requires practice to get better at. So um, I'm a musician. I studied music in college, and so did my wife. And uh, like uh, like good parents, we force music upon our own children, and we make them take lessons and stuff. And um, and two of my kids play the violin. And when uh, I don't know if you've ever had the pleasure of hearing someone learn to play the violin, but it I think is categorized as a form of torture by the United Nations. It's the worst. Um, and you have to live through it. And it's just, I mean, this terrible scratching sound from this tiny violin. But after a while, it starts to sound like music. And then after a while, you know, they, they play in an orchestra and there's this wonderful sound. And so I, I think rest is sort of like that. Rest is, of course, you know, commanded in the scriptures in some places. But for people who are chronically busy and who create value for themselves around their um, achievements, the idea of intentionally stopping is so out of character that it's going to take a lot of practice to do. And so that, that was, um, that was the nature of, of the, of the title. I like it. I like that a lot. And thank you for the heads up because, um, we want one of our daughters to take violin. And so thank you for giving us that, that, uh, <laughs> you go that right morning. ahead. Yeah. Just, just buckle up for the middle school years. Cause so far all of my children have decided at middle school that they hate their instrument, but if they press through, they like it again. <laughs> I love it. All right. So you said a few times throughout your book that we need to want to rest before we can actually do it. So why is this important? Yeah, great question. I wrote the book with the how-to chapter at the very end. And I said right up front, like, hey, if you're like me, you're just going to go to the how-to chapter. I was like, don't do that. Because if you're not sold on the idea, then, you know, it'll be like a diet or some fad or, you know, just a thing you try that the first couple of times you you know, mess it up, you'll just sort of walk away from it. Um, so the art of rest requires faith because it's God who's inviting us to trust him that when we rest, he's still holding the universe together and that in our rest, we actually can achieve more than if we live without it. Uh, rest is a bit like um, tithing, right? You tithe and, and every you know, every three weeks, the same tithing message is given in every church ever, which is I can live better on 90% than 100% if I trust God with 10%, right? It's just kind of that that illogic logic of the Bible. Um, and it's true. There's a blessing that comes in the time that we um, allot to ourselves when we give God a, a portion of our time to to inhabit. And so the, the scriptures uh, constantly are appealing to us to see why we do that. You know, in the beginning, the story is very much um, like the book of Genesis is intentionally written as kind of a polemic against all the other creation stories. And it, it, it differs into parts in some really amazing ways, but this is a huge way where God, the, the God who is there, isn't the kind of God who 
makes humans slavishly work so he can sit in luxury, but he's the kind of God who has given himself over as a servant to humans so that we could enter his rest. He doesn't need anything from us. He's already enthroned without us. Um, and so when we like, that's a, that would have been shocking to hear. Um, you know, if you were just kind of walking around the middle East and, you know, uh, 10th century BC, like that, that would have been crazy. Um, and, and really life-changing and it still is really crazy and life-changing because the things that we hold up as gods, the same, um, idols just with different names, um, demand of us constant work. Um, if we idolize money, it demands of us constant, you know, stress and anxiety and, and effort around money. If we idolize our bodies, it demands of us constant, you know, attention to our diets and exercise. If we idolize our children, they demand, you know, constant organic food and, you know, helicopter parenting and safetyism and then all that stuff is exhausting. And it ends up almost always not producing the thing that you want. But if by some strange circumstance, you actually get the money or the body or the kids you want, you will hate them because then you will discover that they aren't going to make you happy. <laughs> so it is like, it is a real sticking between a rock and a hard place. And so to really believe that rest is good news, we have to really want to live into the promises that God makes for us around rest. And that can be really hard because the world is constantly saying, you know, look, do all this stuff, pay attention. Uh, you know, these little supercomputers we carry around in our pockets are constantly dinging at us, telling us what to do. So it, it, it can, it's so countercultural to say, no, I'm not going to do that extra thing uh, because I am going to say yes to time with the Lord and time to recuperate and be with him and my family and myself. Yeah. Ooh, you just said a mouthful. Oh my goodness. You guys, um, I'm just going to take a moment here. You have to get this book. I, I am probably three fourths finished three fourths of the way finished. And it was so many gems in here and it blew my mind. But one of the things that you just said was, um, that faith, like it takes faith and trusting in God to know that even if we don't do all these things, he's still enthroned. He He doesn't need our help. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> and sometimes we think, especially sometimes as women, that if we don't do something or if we don't get something done, then the world is going to fall apart. And that's simply not the truth. Like the God is still in control. And so um, actually I wanted to read this quote that you had on your book, and then I'm going to go into the next question. But the quote says this, the world without and our hearts within demand that we justify our own existence. And that is a kind of slavery of which Pharaoh's slave drivers could only dream. Why? Because it dooms us to a prison from which we can never escape. We are insufficient to explain our own existence. So we work for the one thing that we're unable to give ourselves, meaning, purpose, a justification for our own existence. Sabbath rest, however, says that I don't need to justify my own existence. It's an act of resistance against the false God king of this world who always demands that we do. It's open rebellion against the systems of this world that demand that we do in order to be. And so, you know, busyness, and this is my question, busyness is something that we wear as a badge of honor, especially, like I said, in the United States and different parts of the world. Like, oh, yeah. you know, we're, we're so, we, we feel like we're more important if our schedules are filled to the brink, you know? Um, but tell us why that can actually be a trick of the enemy to pull us further away from God. Yeah, um, it's really interesting. I believe in the book, I quoted an Oxford study that made a point of, you know, a hundred years ago, if you were, 
important. You signaled you were important by not working and taking lots of leisure time. And now if you're really important, you signal how important you are by being, you know, recklessly busy all the time and kind of harried. Um, it, so it's like, yeah, it, it just uh, changes. Um, and, the, and, the, and the goalposts keep moving. The, the reason that this is such a brilliant strategy of the enemy is that it appeals to a deep human need. And the deep human need is significance, feeling uh, as if we are making a difference, as if we are important. That, that human need, that's built in. That's, that's God's fingerprint on us. We were made to be great. We were made to make a difference. We were made to make the world look like heaven. Like we were made all for a purpose and a, and a role to play in God's good purposes. And, and that you can't shake that. That didn't get ripped out of us when sin entered the world. It just got misshapen. And so in its misshapenness, we, we work really hard to, to feel okay, to, you know, to go, okay, am I, am I really going to be okay? If I, okay, here's how I'm going to be okay. I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to get the degree. I'm going to, you know, get the house and the kids or that, like whatever it is that seems like the thing that's going to make you okay. Even those of us who seem to like drag our lives down into the gutter with drugs or alcohol abuse or, or poor life choices, we're all seeking the same thing. We're all seeking being okay. And what rest does, real Christian Sabbath rest, is invites you into the one thing that uh, that promises to give you the good news that you're okay. The resting in the, the fact that God made you, and it's only God who saves you. And it's really interesting in the in the first five books of Moses, right? The the first time the command to rest is given is in the book of Exodus, and its justification is because God made the world, so rest. Mm. And but when it's repeated in Deuteronomy, it's same commandment, but then its justification is different. It's because God rescued you out of Egypt. So rest. And it's a really important dichotomy. He's the creator. He's the savior. So rest in him. It, it's a, I mean, it's really, really beautiful. But if the enemy uh, were to have his way, he would want us to believe that the way we get okay, the way we become okay, uh, is by achieving or doing something. And rest just totally is an act of rebellion against that bad idea. Wow. Wow, that's so good. Uh, Leslie, I want to talk about the dangers that we create for our children when we as parents don't learn how to rest. I know for myself, you know, sometimes because it's so especially when you're home, you always see something that has to be done. If you work, there's always something that needs to be done. And so I have been starting to tell my children, okay, like we're going to stop. And we're going to, and I have to make them sometimes like sit down and stop and just rest. You don't have to go to sleep, but you do have to, we have to rest mentally, physically. Let's, let's just take a pause for a second. You don't always have to be going. So let's talk about the dangers that we as parents can create if we don't learn to do it ourselves, because our children are just going to see what we do and they're going to model us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just now thinking about all the thousand times that I have (laughs) done that badly. Um, and, um, there's one funny story that I'll tell you, and then I'll give you a, a good answer to your question. I was uh, about a year after this book came out, I was in my living room stressing out over something. I don't remember what. And my one of my daughters walked by and, you know, I was like, hey, have you cleaned your room? And she was like, dad, it's Saturday. And I was like, look, your room's dirty. And I was I was just being kind of a ball of stress. And she walked by me and she goes, art arrest, huh? And just kept walking. She just burned me. <laughs> with my, I was like, Oh man. Oh, that was, that was tough. Okay. All right. Good point. Sorry. Uh, so, but, but it was, you know, a funny way to remember. Yeah. My life 
is preaching a message louder than my words are. And I mean, it's an active joke around my house that I'm of all people, I'm the one that wrote this book because I, I struggle so mightily uh, with, with this, but the dangers to our children are that we teach them a very different gospel with our lives. than we say with our mouths, you know, we teach them with our, with our mouths and our doctrine that God loves us, not on the basis of what we do, but on the basis of what Christ has done. And yet with our lives, we can look like, but really acceptance comes from doing things. And, you know, and so we rush little Johnny around to every soccer league or whatever, um, and, uh, and stress everybody doing so. And, and that comes from a place of a, a lot of shame and guilt and condemnation. I tell you, Facebook, the social media seems like, uh, for, for moms, but like when I, when I have kind of wandered past the mom world and social media, that looks like the guilt that keeps on giving. You don't get a lot of dads shaming each other on social media, but man, I've seen moms do it. And it just seems like a, like, you know, there's this constant source of, you know, are you mom enough? Are you dad enough? And here's how to be, you know, better at this. And if you're not, you know, on this trend, or if you don't know about these things, then ah, and the net effect of that is to create a lot of anxiety, which is the opposite of rest. But if we will just be consistent and faithful, we can teach our kids a lot of really good stuff and we can help them chart out better patterns and maybe break that generational curse in our line. You know, I never thought about that. That's so true. That's really true about the social media piece. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, I'll be honest with you since the pandemic, like I was, I used to be very active on social media and I've taken like the last six or seven months and I, I have not personally interacted with it. And, uh, I'm having like a real crisis because like, I know that for my writing and some other things, it would be really helpful if I were on it more actively, but boy, the amount of peace that I have. <laughs> and, and so the couple of times I've tried to wander back onto, you know, Twitter, or Instagram or something, I can feel my chest gets tight and my stomach gets tight and my head gets all spinny. Oh my gosh, this is this, the anxiety of this stuff. It's like affecting me physically. So I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe I'll get back on it one day, but, uh, it, it, it's, it was fascinating to notice what it does to my body. Um, yeah. and, and that anxiety stuff, man, it, it really, it's both the indication that we need rest, but it's also like the dashboard, like, like, Whoa, this is really tuning me up and, uh, not helping me rest. in God's presence. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I watched the movie, I think it's on a, or a documentary, I guess, movie documentary. I don't know on a Netflix, I guess it was about social media and how they make people stay on there constantly and constantly they, they, it, it's very intentional how it all works. And so I think that it's um, great of you that you um, have decided to step away. And let me tell you something, we're not missing out on anything. If we are to, if we die today, God is not going to say, Oh, you weren't on social media enough. Like, no, <laughs> it's right. quite the opposite. <laughs> yeah. So well, guys, thank you so much for listening in. Adam, thank you for being here. Again, this book, guys, is so awesome. It's called The Art of Rest, Faith to Hit Pause in a World That Never Stops. And thank you, even though you said that you were probably the least likely person, thank you for writing it. Thank you for being transparent in it. You were very transparent. Um, and I, I appreciate it. And I know that people who read it um, are appreciative. So Adam, awesome. how can people, if they need more resources or want to get more resources, how can they find that? Yeah, well, this is going to sound silly. You can follow me on social media. I, the only things I'm, that happen on it are, uh, you know, updates about stuff that I'm doing. I, I don't really talk into it much right now. But uh, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. Um, I have an author page there. You can uh, follow me on, on like Amazon Authors or Goodreads. Um, you can hit up my website, 
mcnairy.org and see uh, where I'm at. And also um, my uh, preaching podcast is right here at Aletheia Church in Boston. Well, thank you so much. I know that you guys enjoyed this episode. And so if you did, please uh, comment, share it, like it, um, and tell somebody about it because this may be the very thing that um, helps somebody. We need to, we all need to rest, honestly. And like he said earlier, it's an art. We have to learn and practice it so that we can learn to do it better. And so um, I love you guys and I will see you soon. God bless. <laughs>